we're about to do the most important thing we do here at Soul Revival, which is read from God's Word. Um, And we're reading from Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Uh, well, good evening, um, everybody. Uh, my name's Paul. I'm one of the pastors here at Sorrow Bible Church and it's my very great privilege now to be able to spend a bit of time unpacking that short reading for us. Uh, but before we start, I've got a question for you guys. Have you ever suffered with a bout of analysis paralysis? Heard of that? Analysis paralysis. Have you ever suffered from a bout of that? You know that time, that scenario where you're just overwhelmed with choice. There's just too much to do. Too many choices before you. Um, I've got a number of friends that have worked overseas uh, in developing nations um, as Christian missionaries. And after living for some time in very remote places, you can imagine there are a number of things that are hard to get used to when you come back to living life in Sydney. Um, They call it uh, reverse culture shock. And one place where they all get overwhelmed is this place on the screen, the cereal aisle of the supermarket. I'm sure you might also get overwhelmed. I mean, how do you navigate all those varieties of cereal. Um, And what does breakfast cereal have to do with the reading that we've just read? Very good question. Uh, Wait for it, it's coming. Well, today we come to the end uh, of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, We've been spending a number of weeks uh, in this part of the Bible and uh, actually unpacking just the introduction to the sermon. And and as we're unpacking that introduction, we're understanding what the blessed life is. But here, as Jesus closes his sermon, it's decision time. And the choice before us is actually clear and simple. There's the link. Jesus offers a clear and simple choice. He doesn't want us to get overwhelmed with a hundred options. Jesus starts to list out a a number of simple either-or choices. It starts halfway through chapter 7. You can choose to enter through a narrow gate or a wide gate. Um, You can take a road that leads to life or a road that leads to destruction. There are trees that bear bad fruit. There are trees that bear good fruit. Um, There are people who generally do the will of God and there are those who just pay lip service to God. And then there's the choice in our passage today. Again, clear and simple. Hear the words of Jesus and do them. Hear the words of Jesus and ignore them. A simple choice but a decision that we can only make with God's help. And so, of course, we need to stop now and pray, asking God to help us to understand his word. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank and praise you for your word, that you are not silent, 
that you speak to us. And so as you speak to us tonight through your word, please give us ears to hear. But not only that, help us to have hearts that obey. And it's in your Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Well, as we come to this very, very familiar teaching of Jesus, um, here's a simple structure for us to follow. It's as easy as three, two, one. Okay? Three things that are the same, two things that are different, and one vital choice to make. So firstly, three similarities. Now, before Jesus divides people into uh, wise and foolish, everyone first hears the same words, the very same words. The disciples and the crowds. They've been up on that mountain listening, um, and it's the same choice for everyone who hears. In verse 24, Jesus talks about everyone then who hears these words of mine. That includes everyone sitting on the mountain that day and the billions of people that have heard uh, Jesus' words through the Bible. And that includes us tonight. Includes everyone there that day and here today as well. It could be in church, it could be in Bible study, it could be anywhere. Um, But people are to respond as they hear the sermon. Jesus has talked about fulfilling the law and the prophets. He's talked about being perfect as his uh, heavenly father is perfect. He's talked about entering through the narrow gate, just a number of few things. They've all heard the same words. Secondly, people are building houses, the same house. Um, There's actually nothing about the quality of the house that Jesus talks about or draws our attention to. He simply puts that the wise man built his house and the foolish man builds his house. So the casual observer would have seen much the same thing. Perhaps the same three-bedroom brick veneer house with a little garage on the side, small little garden out the front. Might have been just that. But the outcome of where it's built That's what's important. So here are two groups of people living their lives. On the face of it, they look very similar. Um, They both go about their daily business. They might be found in church. Uh, They might be both living moral, upright lives. Um, So we might ask ourselves, therefore, well, why does it matter? Why does it matter that they've built on different foundations? We might think that. Well, it matters because of the third similarity. Both groups of people will face the same storm. Notice there's no ifs or buts about the storm coming. It's a question of when the storm will come. When the same rains, the same floods will come and beat against the house. And so these words have total relevance for everyone. There's no avoiding the storm, says Jesus. But what is the storm? What is the storm that Jesus is referring to? Well, we might say that Jesus is talking about the storms of life. You know, the, 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 the trials, the troubles that we face as we journey through life. And so the challenge might be to build your life on Jesus, to live his way and to help us endure the hardships and trials that are battering us, that buffet us from all sides. Now, there's truth in this. Of course, Jesus' way is always the best way to live. God's instructions are for life and they are for our good. But actually, I don't think this is the storm that Jesus is talking about. Jesus is actually talking about the storm of God's judgment 
That's storm. Now, why do I say that? Well, just look around the passage in context. The earlier verses, we see Jesus speaking about final judgment. He speaks of a wide road that leads to destruction. We hear about every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. We hear people saying, oh, we said good things in your name, Jesus. We even did miracles in your name. And yet they're blocked from coming into heaven. So it would be very odd for Jesus to change his focus as he reaches now his very ultimate conclusion to his sermon. Of course, as we look back into the scriptures, we can think of a very obvious example where a storm was the judgment of God. Who, what was that story about? Noah's Ark, right on. Everyone was judged by God except for a few safe on the ark. There's many other examples of God's judgment coming like a storm, such as um, readings from Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 13, I've got here on screen. God says, In my wrath I will unleash a violent wind, and in my anger hailstones and torrents of rain will fall with destructive fury. Also in Nahum chapter 1, says the Lord is slow to anger, but great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. His way is in the whirlwind and the storm and clouds are the dust of his feet. So the storm I think Jesus is talking about here is quite clearly God's judgment. And friends, everyone will face it. It's not an if, it's a when. And so it's critical, absolutely critical, that we're ready for this, for this same storm. But that's where the similarities end. And now we come across two differences two big differences and the first one is a very different foundation you know foundations they're all important uh, in in building building buildings and it's the same for building our life foundations are important and so here in the verse 25 we see someone who's founded on the rock that is the words of Jesus that are put into practice while the other is founded on sand where the words of Jesus are tossed aside and ignored. Jesus wants to speak and you say, thanks, but no thanks, Jesus. It's an easy illustration to think about, isn't it? I've got an image here on the screen of a lighthouse. This is a lighthouse off the south of England. It's called Bishop Rock Lighthouse. It stands 50 metres tall and it was built 150 years ago. And it hasn't budged, despite regularly being hammered. Have a look at this next slide, you'll see how, how much it gets hammered. Serious, man. That's a serious storm. And it stands. Why does it stand? Because it's built on the rock. Now imagine those builders all those years ago, 150 years ago. It wouldn't have been hard, it would have been very hard to build this right house. You could imagine uh, if they said, you know, don't you think we could build this thing on the beach? I mean, it'd be a lot cheaper, a lot quicker, a lot easier to build. Um, it might even look as good. It would do much the same thing. Well, thankfully, they didn't do that because the first storm that would have come along, I reckon it would have made the lighthouse crash down. It probably would have looked a lot like these houses in Colleroy. Do you remember these houses in Colleroy last year? 
the big storms that came in the middle of last year and they showed up the foolishness of building on sand. Now, before that storm, I reckon the homeowners would have been pretty chuffed, pretty proud of their pole position right there on the beach. Talk about a beachfront property. They would have been pretty happy about that. But the storm came and showed up their foolishness to build on the sand. And so the question for us is this, what will my foundation be like when the judgment storm falls? Because Jesus says there's only one sure foundation, hearing and obeying his word. So if our lives will be found on the word of God, or will they have no foundation? And if that foundation, what are we relying on? Are we relying on our smarts, um, our performance, our righteousness, our ability to, to just muddle through things and make it right? Because this leads to the second key difference, a very different outcome. Let's consider the one who builds on Christ for a moment. The outcome for them is utterly secure. When judgment comes, Jesus says, uh, as it most certainly will, the one who has built their life on my word will not fall, he says. It's a certainty. In verse 25, he says this, the rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had foundation on the rock. You know, it's a wonderful truth for us, especially tonight with the baptism, to know that Jesus' word can be trusted 100% certain because he speaks with God's authority. You notice at the end of that reading how amazed the crowds were. Why were the crowds amazed? Well, we read it here in verse 28 on the screen. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed. Why? Because he taught as one who had authority and not as one of their teachers of the law. So it's like you're there in the shelter and the winds are ripping through the valley but you're safe from the storm. Yes, the judgment storm might be terrifying. The wind blew and beat on those houses, but one didn't fall, and you will be safe, Jesus says, in his arms. You'll be safe in his arms. Able to rest on his word, because Jesus speaks with authority. Be assured. But the second house has a very different outcome. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. The winds blew and beat against that house and its fall is terrible because God's judgment is final. A day from which there's no coming back. And you can imagine this house and for a time like those beach houses at Coleroy, they would have looked great. The sun beating down on them, the birds singing, but then the clouds start to gather. The wind starts to pick up and the storm came and there was no foundation. It fell with a great crash. Uh, ominous words, friends. They are ominous. Now, I'm sure we can all think of those examples of someone who's um, 
built up a wonderful career and, and fame, fortune, public esteem comes their way. Only for then for the revelation to come. You know when the media exposes um, the scandal and their reputation comes crashing down? Now that's bad enough. But what Jesus speaks of here is something much, much worse. It's a great fall at God's final judgment. Friends, it couldn't be any more serious. And so Jesus is actually being loving at this point in time. He's loving, sending us a warning. It's, it matters. It matters what we do with his words. Which brings us to our final point. One vital choice. One choice. It's decision time and it matters. For Jesus is unlike any other speaker in history because he will stand at the end of the age and he will ask us, what did you do with my words? You notice how Jesus speaks, he, as he speaks the sermon, as he speaks these words, they are with breathtaking authority. Everyone who hears these words of mine, Everyone who hears these words of mine, what authority? And so the decision for the crowds doesn't rest on whether they were just sitting there hearing Jesus speak. No, the choice depends on what they will do, what they will do with those words, whether they put them into practice. So we need to know how to answer that question before we leave here today. What does it mean to practice the words of Jesus? How can we obey his command? Well, as we look over the whole sermon, I mean, what has he been saying? I'll just pick a few ideas up here. Um, have we been taking seriously Jesus' teaching about hateful thoughts, about lust, about practising righteousness, about building up treasures in heaven, about loving our enemies, just to name a few things? Has that teaching changed the way we live our lives? But before we go too far down that path, let's make sure we start with the right understanding. For if all we understand about Jesus' sermon is pull up your socks, do a better job, try harder, be more distinctive, if that's the only way we've understood this sermon, then we've dramatically missed the point. Because Jesus draws these things to our attention to show that we have not met God's perfect standard. Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. The bar is set way higher than we ever think it was. And of course we need to remember, how does Jesus start his sermon? What are his opening words to the sermon? Here they are on the screen. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who know their desperate need before God, those who know their desperate need for forgiveness, theirs is the kingdom. So to do the words of Jesus here cannot mean to live out the sermon's every command in our own strength, thinking so long as I live a holy life, I live righteously, I'll be okay in the judgment day. Just a few verses before our reading tonight, Jesus speaks of people talking the talk, saying, we said, Lord, Lord, we, we prophesied, we taught in your name. And they even looked like they were walking the walk. 
saying, um, did we not perform miracles in your name? But they were not doing the words of Jesus at all because they were not coming to him as poor in spirit. They were proud and self-righteous. Instead, the right response to Jesus' sermon is to take refuge in him, to come to him empty-handed, to admit that we need his forgiveness. And with God's help, I mean, I will certainly strive to live the life of Jesus calls me to, but even as I try to do that, I'm acutely aware that I've not met his standard, that I don't have the righteousness required. So I'll come back again and again to Jesus for mercy. That's what it is to be truly wise, to take refuge in him. Friends, he is our rock. So what an end. What an end to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, this call to build our lives on his word alone. And what cause for immense thanks that there will be safety when the judgment storm comes, that we'll be able to stand, that we don't need to fear it as we stand in Christ. What precious words, what vital words for the world to hear, for us to hear tonight. Jesus has given us his loving warning and it's a clear, straightforward choice. Obey his word or ignore his word. By his grace and mercy, we can build our lives on a sure foundation. Why don't we pray now that we would have the ears to hear that and then our hearts would be able to put that into practice. Let's pray. The psalmist writes this, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Thank you, Lord, our Father God that in the Lord Jesus Christ and in his word we have a great refuge, a great strength, a sure foundation. Please help us to take these words seriously and have confidence in them and to rest in the authority of Jesus as he speaks them to our heart. And it's in his mighty name we pray. Amen.